Welcome to the Inner Space Revolution. I'm an artist and designer here to unpack the mysteries of creativity that live at the intersection of science and our human spirits. If you are a curious soul longing to go beyond constant optimization and dig up your creative potential, ask yourself, what can happen when we collectively venture into our inner worlds? When we master our minds beyond what the status quo asks of us and embrace the depth of who we are. Come with me to find out. everyone. Welcome back. In the last episode, I started a big conversation about how Web3 is the future. And then guess what? The market crashes hard and pretty much stays there. Um, But I'm not worried, actually, about my investments, what I said, the viability of crypto in the long term. It's just, I think it's funny that the timing was like that. And um I was going to use today's episode to start going deeper into how to get practical about uh, being on a Web3 creator journey, Um, but I'm actually going to pause on that and talk about something else, and that is the name of this podcast. I don't think I've ever explained it, um, so if I did... I'm just going to go into it again. This is a different way of explaining the, the name. So inner space revolution, what does it mean? Um, I went through so many iterations. All of you OG listeners who were here at the beginning probably remember that I went through about three name changes. And just to describe the process, I definitely had moments where I was down on myself, like, oh, so indecisive, what's wrong with you? Um, but I just let that process happen. And, you know, I'm the only one you, when you realize that you're the only one thinking these things, then it's very freeing. So I just let that process happen. And, um, I went through trying to incorporate something about earth, my ancestry. So I went that route for a while, which was Lupa Lualo, which uh, means earth prayer. And, in, it's in different languages, so um, different Tagalog and Filipino languages. And it helped to reflect my work's centering on creativity, but it wasn't obvious. And I wanted some obvious words that evoked a sense of practical magic, but also spoke to the natural, raw, organic power that we have inside all of us. So yeah, Lupa Lualo, I still have the Gmail address, but the for the podcast and for my practice, it didn't feel quite right. Uh, maybe one day, I don't know. Um, so I thought about what my goal is in general in what I do here, and that is very clear to me. It's to help empower people from the inside out and on an energetic level. Uh, what that means to me is being able to take inspired action for yourself that aligns with your purpose. This is not necessarily activism or actions that look a certain way to get you a pat on the back from friends and family. It's never 
like that, actually. Sometimes your truth is just your truth, and it isn't glamorous or performative or calling attention to itself. And so I followed that. And yeah, my goal is to help others understand their inner power, to know deeply in their soul that you can stand on your own, that everything you do in life is meant to show you how to align and flow with that purpose. Because when we all live in our purpose or purposes, we have multiple sometimes, that literally can change the world. I've said that before. I know it's hard, a hard concept. Um, but yeah, just to add on, we often feel like we have an obligation or a duty to address all of the things that are happening external to us. But actually, your only duty and obligation is to feel into and shine your inner source of light. Because like I say in almost every episode, energetically that works on a subtle level to start addressing all the things that you see outside of you. doesn't happen immediately, but it happens. Now, like I said, I know that's a hard concept to grasp because it's an energetic concept. And that's the reason I'm here because I am learning over time that energy speaks as much as words. So although I'm talking, I know there's a lot of energy going into this that I don't even know what it's going to do. And that's why I usually work very hard to keep 100% of the things I say focused on the vision because it's already very easy to get sucked into everything that's wrong, um, as you know. And so it's also why I focus on creativity rather than destruction, even though I know that for that phoenix to rise, we definitely need to burn something down. So what does it mean to stand in your own truth or shine your light? And one thing I notice is that when I think about what this all means to me, living your truth, speaking your truth, it actually seems to be different from what the popular version of it is out there, which is pretty much to me, what it looks like is talking all the time with a lot of defensive energy bouncing off of each other. Um, and I'm not judging or saying that that is all bad. It's part of the growth process, but I wanted to just share my take because that's what I'm moved to do today. And I'm not saying this is what everybody does. I definitely see people out there who are just being them in the way that I really resonate with in terms of what living your truth or speaking your truth means and they're just doing it um so I'm gonna help illustrate this with a very basic example from when I was younger um maybe this is like an Asian thing <laughs> not just a Filipina thing but I kind of remember it as being like a Filipino culture thing um I used to get sucked into a good share of subtle competition conversations as I was growing up. So I know that vibe well. I used to get into a lot of these weird conversations that went kind of like this. So a friend with great hair might say something to me like, hey, I do my own hair. Um, and then I would respond with, oh, wow, you're so good at that. I wish I was competent enough to do it myself. Um, but I think I'll keep paying for the salon. And then they would respond 
with, oh, wow, people pay ridiculous prices for haircuts. I can't believe it. And then I would respond, well, I don't do it that often. So I think the cost kind of evens out for me, to which they respond. You know, there's tutorials online, you know. And then I would say, I don't really want to spend my time that way. It's easier for me to pay for it. And then sometimes this kind of conversation would just go on and on to a point where I'd be like, why are we still even talking about this? You know, you decide to spend your money this way. I'm spending it another way. Who cares, right? And, you know, just to add, sometimes I would be the oblivious friend who would say these things. So this is not to say that I was always the graceful one here. And honestly, I am happy to say that these kinds of conversations don't even come up anymore, likely, likely because I'm older and wiser. So anyway, after many years, I finally became self-aware of the patterns of these conversations. And I realized that there were different things happening here on a deeper level. So if the conversation seemed to go on for longer than necessary, then one, both people were usually feeling defensive about their choices, which of course means both of us were questioning our own life decisions. And upon realizing this, we should have individually started to become curious about our responses and each other rather than continuously pushing each other's buttons. Um, two, there was an extreme amount of validation that was also being fished for, but in different ways. So in the friend's case, maybe the friend felt bad that she didn't have money to spend on expensive haircuts. And on my end, I was getting very defensive about being majorly judged for spending money instead of feeling okay in my own decision to do so. So if you're a sharp cookie, you may start to catch wind of this happening as you're in this conversation or this type of conversation and recognize the validation that the other person doesn't even know that they may be looking for. Of course, you're not obligated to address it, but considering that your friend supposedly, it's definitely a softer way than calling them out for something they're not even aware of. That's my approach. Do what fits your personality. But just notice how the conversation would have changed if at least one person became self-aware of their own issues. So going back to that haircut situation, say the friend with the great hair would say, hey, I do my own hair. And then I responded, oh, wow, you're so good at that. I wish I was competent enough to do it myself. You must save so much money. Okay, that might be a little too pandering in this version, but I, what I want you to notice here is that I don't even bring in anything about my own decision to go to salons because who cares? I do what I do and no one has to know unless they actually directly ask or want to know. And if they do, I can answer, matter of fact, that's that conversation over. Doesn't have to go on forever. So yeah, anyway, the reason I brought in this haircut example is because this obviously doesn't happen with just haircuts. This happens with political and social opinions all the time. My neighbor said he didn't want to vote. How ignorant. That person's not doing enough to combat climate change. How dare they? What a hypocrite. 
This other person says she cares about people, but she works for a tech company. Oh my God. There are endless ways that we can choose to judge other people and we do. And it gets heated because a lot of us aren't equipped to bring a depth of our own internal curiosity into these types of discussions or feelings. Not in a self-deprecatory way or a self-critical way that makes you feel guilty and shameful for judging, but looking at yourself in a self-compassionate way, which I have made many episodes about this. We aren't constantly asking ourselves, why am I feeling this feeling right now? Why am I angry? What is being threatened within me right now? And when we start to ask those questions, you might magically discover what you might be attached to. And the truth is, maybe you want to be attached to this idea of yourself because it's all we think we know about ourselves. So ask yourself, am I afraid to go deeper and why? But instead of asking those questions, what happens is we tend to think about the external. What does it look like to speak my truth? What does it look like to live my truth? What is this supposed to be? Maybe it looks like snubbing your neighbor. Maybe it looks like judging this other person. Instead of just being with yourself the whole way, being curious about yourself, asking questions, being with yourself, literally, when you are with yourself, you don't get attached to what anything is supposed to look like, not your identity, your beliefs about whatever your truth is supposed to be. You just are your truth. You don't even have to defend it. Just like I don't have to defend my choice to get my hair cut by somebody else. That's the energetics of this. I hope that makes sense because focused internal awareness is what I think is the control panel for shining your inner light. Focusing your internal awareness is how you and me and everybody else can start to exist peacefully in this confusing paradox and continuous war between polarity and duality, perceived good and bad, all the things that are thrown at us daily that are asking us to fight, to attach in order to feel good and worthy. It's not a war, it's a dance. And in my opinion, this dance of focused internal awareness between all of these polarities is how to start a revolution. I'm just going to bring in Sun Tzu again because I love the art of war. He said, if you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. For me, any revolution we see in our lifetime will have started in the liminal, mysterious, inexplicable space where your inner truth burns, where you let go of what the ego thinks it's supposed to be. And from there, that's where the phoenix will rise. And that's it. That's why I named my practice, whatever I do here, (laughs) Inner Space Revolution. 